put my shoes on? No, I don't think they'll fit me. <laughs> oh Why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. Correct. Ah, well done. <laughs> and last one, this I really like this dad joke. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? <laughs> Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> Oh, yeah, dear. it's at the start of our publicity. Is it? Yeah, yeah. that's Like on our Facebook group. That's the joke on our flyer. Yeah, that's the one we use. Oh, that's perfect because I, 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 Googled, like, I Googled dad jokes and I was like, oh, that's oh, like beauty. Looks yeah. like we're all in the first result on Google, yeah. aren't we? Searching us right there. Um, uh, so, hello, uh, comrades, and welcome to the Perthian Chronicles. I'm Ryan Morano, and in part two of our Fringe World miniseries, we're going to be chatting to a team of grown men who are bringing hundreds of pillows, three onesies, and some stories to the Blue Room Theatre this February. The show is called Dad, and as the title suggests, it's about dads. Or more specifically, it's about the show's creators' relationships and history with their own dads. And with me are the show's creators and performers, Isaac Powell. Hello. Jared Prane. Hello. And Marshall State. Hello. Welcome. Thank, thank you for having us, Ryan. Well, no. thank you for coming here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to say, um, you're very kind enough to allow me to come to your rehearsal. Mm. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, it's it's actually nice. So I'm I'm currently seeing like a massive pile of pillows, a lot of sticky notes, um, <laughs> dad written in large text on a whiteboard. And that's just for effect. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is this is I think like one tenth, tenth of all the pillows. Oh, maybe a bit. Maybe more. Like no, yeah. How many bags eight. do I have? Twelve. Twelve. So the 12. amount of that's pillows two. they're referring to it's one like six, a bed. Seven. So if that's just one tenth. Yeah. yeah, we've got quite a lot of pillows. It's really, yeah, it's pretty fun to see it in the space. Because yeah. you just go, wow. That's a lot of pillows. Lot of pillows. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your opinion, what makes the idea of fatherhood a good topic for a show? For me, I was saying this just the other day, the amount of times in uh, media recently that like the father character is either not their oafish or mean, or the amount of times there's, like, <clears throat> just, like, really rough family relationships being shown in media, I think it's really nice to touch on, like, strong father relationships, like, especially father-son relationships, not just the strong ones, but to actually analyse those relationships more than just having them exist in media, you know? Instead of just seeing it, we get to actually divulge into... Yeah. What makes them? I think, you know what? I think Modern Family does a great job. Mm. Of, <laughs> seriously, like I, watch, I think that's why everyone loves that show and why I love that show. Just because it does do a very wholesome job of showing like, like actual real family relationships. Obviously mm. heightened and whatever. But you're right, it's not like The Simpsons where, you know, Homer's just this big dumb oaf. And sure, it's endearing yeah. and he always wins back his kids, but he is like a terrible father. Mm. Um, There's something that definitely drew all of us to the concept at the very start. Um, there is a, a lot of talk around the subject of masculinity at the moment in the world. And, you know, not just the idea of you know, toxic masculinity, but masculinity in general. And there are precious few places that young males learn that from other than their fathers. In one way, shape or form, 
Um, we pick up how to be a man, how to treat the people around us, um, especially how to treat the females in our lives mm. from, from our dads. Yeah. Mm. Like well, Jones. because when this gets released, obviously people are aware of the Gillette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was like, what, a week ago? A week or so ago? Mm. Yeah. What was your reaction to it? Oh, I cried. I thought yeah. it was beautiful because, especially coming up to that end bit where you just, like, yeah. just, like see them there and, like, I find it really interesting the what the blowback to it because it's it's literally an ad saying hey guys we can be better and the amount of people being like hey no we can't (laughs) (laughs) and I think I think that some of that backlash comes from a place of you know if, if you if you've been taught your whole life or if you've lived your whole life believing that certain things aren't a problem or certain things are all right um, a massive corporation turning around and you know wagging the finger almost at you, saying no, these are bad behaviours. Um, that that's not going to change many people's minds if you already think that way. Um, mm. but, but then again, you, you reinforce that narrative that it is no longer acceptable to behave in these ways. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I yeah. think, I think if you, it becomes the wider standard. Even if it pisses people off, if that just becomes the wider standard, change will happen. Yeah, um, and that's kind. Of, and you know, like the one of the things for me is like it's also very easy to be cynical <laughs> when a big corporation does that because what's it called? It's like um, uh, like ethic advertising. There's like a there's a really no clever ethical word. consumption under capitalism. The, there's a smart smart word. There's a smaller <laughs> word than that um, that I've been seeing around lately, where it's you know it's it's when companies tap into a social topic that is very current, mm. and then they make some big ad about it, but they tag their you know th- their mm. logo on the end. And I and it's very easy to be very cynical about that, especially with Gillette. Mm. But I think the thing is like you kind of just got to go. Who gives a shit if it's an ad for Gillette? It doesn't matter. The point is the ad is still very pertinent and very relevant. Yeah, and as as a large company to create something like that in, in, the, in the scope of capitalism, what they're actually saying is, if you disagree with this, we're not overly interested in having you as a company or a, bra- uh, a customer or a brand ambassador. Mm. So, you know, even if it is just a big corporation trying to make some sales mm. on the back of a social movement, um, the fact that they are making it clear they don't want that type of behaviour does exactly. actually, you know... It, <clears throat> It alienates the people that disagree. Which and is a good thing to do sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, pe- people need to understand that there, there is a, there is a new, new way to treat people. There's a new way to interact. And, mm. you know, you've got to keep up. Oh, I'd happily, like... I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'll back a company... Like, buy stuff from a company that says, like, hey, let's be better as men than mm. a company that's like, hey, we all hate gay people, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I know yeah. that, I don't like, know, Jared. <laughs> well, yeah. like, I'm under the whole... Gosh, I didn't know this podcast was going to go into, like... Yeah, going to tap into my socialism. But, like, with, like, things like how, you know, you can't really do many good things under capitalism if you're going to exploit so many blah, 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 blah. It's still a step in the right direction, yeah, you know. Mm, I'd, I'd mm. rather support them than a company that's not doing it at all, you know. Yeah. They're doing all the same things, but without that good message. And I'd yeah, still exactly. rather support that message. So what's the difference? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, we were saying earlier, <laughs> kind of, kind of <laughs> jumping a little bit back, yes, um, yes, yes. something I find really interesting is the fact that I, I think what we're trying to do with the show is open conversations more. We were saying, because we are talking about our grandfathers on our father's side, 
and we all found out that none of our fathers ever really spoke about our grandfathers. Spoilers for the show. Oh, in, the, in the first, like, what, five, yeah. ten minutes? <laughs> and so... People can so, walk up late now. Yeah, yeah. come yeah. late. Nah. Um, <laughs> well, because when we were saying, so, like, they never spoke about their dad, so here we are, speaking about our dads. Let's open up the conversation. Let's, mm. let's yeah. leave that legacy out there. perfect but the understanding that your parents are not perfect and you know your grandparents weren't either Mm. you know open the conversation as to understanding where people went wrong and why and you know coming to terms with that you can't hold grudges for (laughs) he says wink Um, you can't hold grudges for your whole life over something that you know isn't an easy thing to come to terms with and I think like it's exciting with this show as well because I've I'm not surprised necessarily, but I've been really encouraged by, you know, with the first showing of this piece, like the response from people who didn't align with our backgrounds, you know, so like we're three white men, you know, from very different backgrounds, but still three white men. Um, But, you know, people were coming up to us who were, you know, people of colour and women and um, people who were part of the trans community and they were all very touched by it because they all had that, they, you know, and it's nice, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of share something that is pretty widely a universal mm. relationship you know like no matter what situation you come from you have some sort of paternal relationship somehow mm. you know? well it's interesting because one of the things I want to mention that from what I understand this was a creative development showing you had a you had a showing last year at the Balloon Theatre mm-hmm. it was half an hour long yep. mm. yeah. at some stages you were saying before what is changing the creative process? Because now you're now presenting a 50-minute, well, to an hour mm. show. You've mm-hmm. got a much bigger team. You've got uh, producer Emily Stokoe, mentors Chris Isaacs, uh, mm. uh, Chris Isaac, um, Geordie Crawley, composer Isaac Diamond, and publicist Dana. Mm. Uh, you've got a much bigger team. It's it's still very much us though. Like we do yeah. have a bigger team and we do have a big support network. But you know, Chris Isaacs was actually on it back when we did that original development. Uh, Isaac's music was also on there as well so we're still using that and we're getting him to do some new pieces Um, and then really like having Emily and Dana is more just kind of like the logistical and you know the kind of dramaturgical coming with a bit of advice so Mm. so really like it is it is still very much us Um, but it's part of the challenge and what I think people will notice between the previous version and this version is that we've just had to kind of like We've had some time to reflect on it and we've t- had time to look back and um, from quite a distance go, okay, what was working, what wasn't working, and now how do we make it better? And how do we make it work for a fringe audience? Mm. Because it's a very different audience to, you know, a 9pm slot at the Blue Room Theatre in the third week of Fringe is an entire other world. And we found that a lot of the... We believe that a lot of the things that <clears throat> we did in the original show, although we loved originally and it worked... Um, might not necessarily hold up for this new audience. Mm. Um, so that's been a lot of what we've been doing is kind of how we do that. Um, and then also things have changed. Yeah, from... we've had different relationships with our fathers now. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that... subtle with some of us, but or like, <laughs> or like some like brand new revelations or like new conversations. Mm. Like, like my dad saw the creative development, which was mind-blowing. <laughs> the... 
most important performance I've ever done in my life. Oh god, yeah. Fuck me too. Based <laughs> yeah. on my Probably. dad. <laughs> it gave it gave some serious weight. In fact, speaking to the the people who came to see the creative development at that particular time when Jared's dad was there, have said that his father being in the audience and being in tears, but being in the <laughs> audience added something to the piece for oh, them. Yeah. It was and, um, wild. You know, as, wild. as the boys have said, we have made changes in the... Obviously, your relationship with your parents never stays the same. It's always changing slightly because you're both changing, you're both getting older. But this piece has prompted some discussions um, within my own family, myself and my mum. Um, we've spoken a lot about some things. Don't worry, I won't give it away. <laughs> I'm just sitting here no, like, no, 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 no. no. You're just telling the whole thing. Um, and here's and, the climax. Um, and you know, my I've had conversations with my grandfather that have changed things. I've because this piece has been a learning process for us as much as it has been for any audience member that mm. may see it. Um, you know, because on on these ideas of masculinity and legacy and connecting to other people and what we leave behind and what we pick up from other other places you know we had to stumble upon those discoveries in the creation process mm. so we've learned a great deal and yeah. helped each other through a lot as well oh, yeah. yeah we've become such a such a cute little team of <laughs> cute little gang of boys who's just like yeah. You know, like, well, like, difficult conversations have come up, obviously, mm. like, not everything's been an easy process in terms of content creation, because there are moments where, like, big things come up, like... Things that are very close to people's hearts. Exactly. I mean, you yeah. know, my, my family been very much there for each other. Yeah, and we did, you know, it's really important, if you're going to delve into this kind of stuff, you need to look after each other in the mm. rehearsal space. Yeah, and then the, the tough bit as well is then... You know, like it's all well and good for us to have such personal stories, but then how do you make that approachable for an audience? Because you don't mm. want to go, you don't want to swing in one way and just have some big personal breakdown kind of thing on stage where you're just because that's that's too much for an audience. But at the same time, you don't want it to feel you you don't want it to feel empty. You know, you don't want to feel mm. like it's just us acting. Um, you do want to still have that feeling that you know mm. this is very much us up on the stage sharing these stories, um, but in a professional, devised. Mm controlled environment because mm. that was one of my uh, questions because um, I was just I find this is a great opportunity to talk about art that is autobiographical well the, the, the school of thought is art can be to some extent autobiographical mm. but with this piece you know borrowing from what I understand your own personal stories mm. um, to create the show what are the boundaries that like I'd like oh. obviously I'd imagine there are some stories which causes a lot of emotion, like well, trauma yeah. or... I mean, it, there was one thing that I, th I believe it was Fran, but it could have been Chris also. It was one of the many mentors we had. Yeah, um, but there was... I believe this, this particular quote was from Chris Isaacs, is there's universality in the speci specificity. Close. Well, yeah, something like that. There's <laughs> specificity. Specificity. No. Specificity. 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 Yeah, one of, there's specificity. universality in the specificity, <laughs> um, and that, you know, that actually really hit home. We were we were up on stage for the creative development, telling these really quite you know, very personal stories that every, every everyone is unique in, mm. in terms of how, how they come to be and 
And often where quite detailed from. stories as mm. well. Yeah, but people find... It's, it's almost like cherry-picking as an audience member. People find the little bits in there that they can relate to, and then they go into that and replace everything that isn't relatable about the story with, you know, stuff that stuff that they felt, stuff that they've experienced. Yeah, and the best part is like sticking to the facts because if you start to, and this is something we have to keep challenging ourselves mm. with in how we're <laughs> writing this, is that if we make it too flowery, um, it gets overwhelming and it becomes, it becomes cliche and then that becomes very difficult for audiences to be emotionally affected by because it feels like storytelling and fiction mm. rather than just facts. So it's actually really difficult but quite liberating to have to just, just say the facts, you know, and the facts mm. are what they are and it's what happened. But people find that really, um, really striking mm. for a lot of things. I think, I think the other thing is that you've got to <clears throat> remove yourself from the personal section of it to a point. Mm. I was watching an interview with the woman who wrote The Big Sick, the movie that came out not too long ago, um, which was an entirely personal experience. And she... Um, said she was filming this one scene and they like tried to rework it heaps and heaps of different times because in the like relationship in the like in her life that moment was very significant and it was like meant so so much to them but the more they rewatched it the more they acted the more they tried it the amount of times they were like this just isn't watchable like them just like s- sitting on like this hospital bed watching these reruns of this might have meant this much for us, but it's not this for them. You kind of have to separate yourself from what's theatrical. You kind of got to set out all the facts and then be like, this is what we can put on stage. This is what'll be good. It's like last night I watched um, the new film about Vincent van Gogh. um, The one with Willem Dafoe. Willem de Gogh. Who, apparently, who (laughs) stars across from William Friend. So it's Willem Dafoe and, and Willem William Dafoe. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, so yeah, I watched Make that last the tagline time. of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen, right? Um, so I, I was chatting to um, some others about this experience because the film is like tremendously well made in terms of its artistic intent mm-hmm. and how it made it. The whole show, the, the whole show, the whole movie is shaky cam, right? And that and, and distorted video effects, and that does a wonderful job of kind of. Um, I guess in the attempt to expose you to kind of what um, Vincent was going through and then like there's this beautiful moment when like spoiler he dies um, and then at the end you see his like lifeless body lying down kind of around his paintings as people are taking them because they're buying them now that he's dead um, or they're taking them and it's the one camera shot in the entire movie that's smooth and it's this beautiful smooth just like dolly down to this kind of low angle on his body and it's, it's this huge sense of relief because the whole movie has... Like, to the point where, like, you can really feel the camera there, like, in the space being lifted up and moved. Like, it's, it's very visceral. And that was, like, so clever and, and um, the intent was so obvious. But, fuck, we were all so sick afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, motion sickness to the nth degree. We all felt terrible. And then that's that kind of thing where it's like, look, I get what you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, you've got a responsibility to your audience mm-hmm. in terms of what are they receiving, you know? Like, your art is not your, is not your soapbox or it's not your, it's not your vent, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you've yeah, still got to make, you've still got to work out a way to communicate that, mm-hmm. you know? And you've got to be careful about how you communicate. 
that, you know. So, like, we came up with rules for this show. So, like, one off the top of my head, one of the rules is, like, we never at any point in the show impersonate each other's fathers. Like, there's bits where we kind of, like, do stuff to illustrate our fathers, you know. There's, like, a moment in the show where um, Jared and Isaac, you know, like, do this caricature of my dad. But it's kind of what I saw in my head. It's not actually them playing my father. Mm. And vice versa. We all kind of do it at one point in the show. Mm. But we never actually just play our fathers and act out that scene. Because as soon as we do that, that just instantly minimises everything that our fathers could be because you're making it quantifiable on stage. Mm. You know, whereas if you leave it completely open and the audience only ever hears like the word dad, you know, we try very hard not to mention our father's names. It's just dad. And so then they can kind of just like put that all there. And we found that was really effective. Because if, you know, if I was like, my dad's name's Trevor, if I was just like, and Trevor walked into my room and Jared comes in and is like, son, what are you doing? Like it would have just been, because Jared doesn't sound or look anything like no offense. I could. <laughs> With enough rehearsal. Um, no, I'm Did not going to. No. <laughs> you know, again, that's, that's very much for the benefit of leaving it accessible to everyone. You know, we can't, we can't make everything general and template-y, but you do as much yeah. as you can. And then we got, like, um, like, one of some of the feedback we originally got with the show was that, like, you know, sometimes it could get a bit repetitive mm. at points. And that's something we really had to think about because, like, it became repetitive because we were we had these rules and this formula so now again it, it's that thing of like we've got a fringe audience so we're trying to break that formula and make and kind of bring people into these moments that they're not expecting yeah it's one of those good things where like you set up rules and you figure out how to break them without breaking them yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How, how can we like get through our own loopholes without yeah. ever impersonating our dads but still getting the effect we want which is yeah, like, which is the fun bit <laughs> <laughs> that's where the play comes in wouldn't be appropriate to share for this show and I'm sure each of us has them but I mean not even just not appropriate just like honestly not very interesting yeah like there's definitely mm. a lot of significant stories I have with my dad but like honestly they're just kind of like way 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 too personal or way yeah. way too abstract for an audience I think to mm. enjoy because there's there's a show there's a story that's coming back in from mine that wasn't in the original that we had originally in the developments and we cut it because it was just a bit like might be too specific, but now we're reworking it to make it just a bit more broad, and it's a bit quicker, and um, mm. it does it does work now. But originally, we had to just kind of kill that because it just didn't it just didn't need to be there. You know, it, it didn't feel right at the time. No, maybe it won't feel right now. I don't know. We're yet to try it out, so mm. we'll see. Why should people go and see the show? Because we're starving. For attention. Um, One of the hardest questions you can ask, oh, something, in my hard. opinion. No, it's, it's always hard because you don't want to like over-promote yourself yeah. or anything like that. Mm. Look, I, th- I think the thing is, the original development, we had a lot of really wonderful feedback. We, we mm. made a lot of people... We made a lot of people cry. We made a lot of people yeah. feel very emotionally touched. And we made a lot of people not cry as well. So that's mm. the thing, you know. There's a lot of people who saw it and were like, it was fine. You know? there, are, there are two that saw the show, walked outside and called their fathers. Mm. Multiple, yeah. actually. Yeah. Multiple. I, yeah. I have to say... So, I have to say, so I'm, I'm sorry for the people about trying not to be biased or anything, but I remember coming from the credit development um, showing that I saw, I remember two older gentlemen, you know, in their 60s, do not look like fit. The one thing that smacked me was, I think I was speaking to Marshall and Jared, or I, I think, I don't know, one of all three of you, one of and these two us. older blokes who 
do not look like your typical theatre goer. You know, we're quite older gentlemen. You know, a bit blokey, come walking in and they just say thank you. Yeah. That that took me like wow. Yeah, we had um, that big that big bouncer guy, a good friend of one of the um, ladies oh, who yeah, graduated with us. Huge. Yeah, this huge big bouncer who's so yeah. intimidating. Just like crying, like thanks, man, like that, and gave, gave us hugs, and yeah. like it's a, and that's I think why we're you know we're so passionate about this show, not because we think that every single person who's going to come to the show is going to have that experience. We we're not we're not guaranteeing that. Please, don't, <laughs> please don't set your expectations that high. But the point is, you know, you come see the show and just like like let it wash over you and experience it, and you know you, it might you might have a wonderful experience. Yeah. You know? And what was good about the creative development is that it was able to connect to so many people emotionally. But this new version is going like, at least hopefully, going to connect with people just as emotionally, but also be just as entertaining and fun. Like, it's going to be, like, a, a whole range of emotion. Yeah. Like, if you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, too. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. kind of amped up the contrast, I guess. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be a really enjoyable show in every sense, we're hoping. Yeah. So it's not just that kind of... Like, I don't want to say, come to the show and cry. You know, that's... Mm. That wouldn't sell me for something. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why I haven't watched Marley and Me. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but it's fun. We start. We, we start with a really fun little opener. Like, yeah. We, we just yeah. We, look, we probably shouldn't tell too much more. Yeah. I think we're setting up so many different like. We open. <laughs> I think one of the hardest questions I think what's your favourite dad joke my one <laughs> I always know my one because my, my dad said this to me once and it makes me laugh so much and I'll need some help with it of course yeah, I've told you um, it's about oh my god because I just found out that um, oh. you know it was really really sad that woman oh, she, yeah, yeah that, she that got, celebrity she got, she got stabbed, stabbed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's real. No, no, no. It's, it's really real. A celebrity no, got yeah, stabbed. Yeah. Um, oh, God, what was her name? Reese. She was in Legally Blonde. Reese. Oh, Reese Witherspoon. No, what? with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you'd fall for that, right? Thank you. Oh, yeah, I love that just... so much. Oh, anyone, anyone who's not. Obviously, everyone listening, not here. Ryan was so earnest when he said Reese with a spoon. Like, he was helping us out so much. Now, now whether that's because Ryan's so nice or because I'm such a good actor that I really portrayed <laughs> the that I didn't know who Reese... I know who Reese with a spoon is. <laughs> oh, you guys got me. And hopefully you'll get many more people. With that type of acting, I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, uh, well, thanks, guys, for the chin wag. And remember, comrades, uh, you can catch Isaac, Jared and Marshall at the Blue Room Theatre from the 5th to the 9th of February. Tickets at fringeworld.com.au. Thank you so Thank much, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Fun.